Breaking down the biggest stories. One more time for the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. All right, let's get out of the way right away. Happy anniversary to me. Six years at WTMJ. Every one of those years has been fantastic. So thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks for, to Eric Bilstead, who on a cold December morning called me up and said, Hey, you ever think about doing radio in 2016? Talked to him for a few, few minutes, came in, did a few shows. They hired me, started February 28th, 2017. Is that the greatest phone call of your life? Yeah, because this is a great job. It's a unique job. I've told the story before. I had to wrestle with the decision. Of, I was in my second term as mayor of Oak Creek, and I had to wrestle with the, the, the decision to basically leave office to do this job, and, and you couldn't do both. That was not, not something that uh, the ownership at the time would have allowed me to do. So I had to make a tough choice, and uh, there was a lot of back and forth, a lot of arguments, a lot of opinions offered but ultimately you don't get a lot of chances in life like this one and i'm i'm thankful to everyone that supported me over those years and it's been an absolute blast speaking of that there are days that we have just tremendous guests and topics hopefully those are more often than than the opposite right so tomorrow wgmj conversations i i don't want to overplay it but Pretty impressive lineup. I begin my show like I do every day at 9 o'clock, 9.08, after the news, roughly. And I'll lay out the day for everybody. And then we will be joined by Governor Tony Evers. We'll talk to him. We'll ask him about the budget process, which is ongoing. And uh, as we know in Wisconsin, fraught with peril because we have a divided state government. And then we'll talk to who I think is the most powerful politician in the state, Speaker Robin Voss from the Assembly. That's the first hour. Second hour, I'm bringing in the big guns. And I, I just wanted another perspective on the interview side when you have an opportunity to talk to both of the candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court. We know who they are. Justice Dan Kelly served previously, 2016 to 2020, appointed by Governor Scott Walker. And Janet Protosiewicz, who is a Milwaukee County judge, and is running for the state's highest court. So Charles and I will interview both candidates, half hour each, separately, in the 10 o'clock hour. And then I wrap my show with a half hour interview with Sandy Max from Wisconsin's Afternoon News, who's a friend of mine and a, and a fantastic, talented teammate, trust me. When we hired Sandy Max, we upped our game, which is a great thing. We are going to interview the mayor of Milwaukee and his lovely wife. That's at 11.08-ish to about 11.30. And then the rest of the day, I'll, I'll give you the lineup a little bit later. So that's just my part of this exciting day. WTMJ Conversation. You can see the whole lineup 
just by going to our website at WTMJ.com. Let me set the table here. We're going to talk some politics in the first hour. Old National Bank talk and text line wide open, 855-616-1620. Always open, 24-7, 365. Your portal to connecting with any show on any topic, feedback, questions, whatever. You can do that on the Old National Bank talk and text line. My email for my show, steve.scafidi2f1d at wtmg.com. Always available. I try. I do my best to answer those emails. I can't get to all of them, but if if it's topical and relevant, and you ask a question, I will certainly try. Which prompts me to remember what I wanted to talk about to start the show today. So, as a result of giving out my my email for this show, I get a lot of emails about all things you talk about politics, the state of the races, the state of Wisconsin politics, and one of the biggest questions is, and I. I Raised this with Vincent Eric a few minutes ago. What are what are what are Wisconsin voters thinking about this race and others? And I remind people, actually, I've actually done this in, in promotions. There's a lot of people that talk for a living in this market and elsewhere about politics. Other than sports, probably the most popular talk topic, right? Politics, specifics, general generalizations. Absurdities in some cases, outright lunacy in others. But an emailer or two, and I'm paraphrasing, basically said, what do you make of this? And I, I laid out my case in the response this way. And I, I did a little bit with Vince and Eric as well. So we have a Democratic governor, Democrat Tony Evers. I think most people would put him in the, on the liberal side of the aisle. I would as well. And in the legislature, we have a very conservative, substantial majority. In the Senate, led by Senator Lemahue. In the Assembly, as I said earlier, by Speaker Robin Voss. Look at, this, look at the U.S. Senate's positions. One side, very liberal Tammy Baldwin, who wins in landslides, by the way. which I think sometimes people forget in a 50-50 state. That's significant. That's, that's power at the polls. And on the other side, one of the more conservative senators, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson, now in his third term. Narrow focus it down to the U.S. Supreme Court race. And I, this is exactly what I said to the emailer about this. One of the reasons you're seeing at this moment, again, this is not absolute, this is not final, that at this moment, Judge Janet Protosiewicz has a strong advantage. Money, and you saw the power at the polls during the primary. That doesn't mean, so don't misstate what I'm saying, that it's a slam dunk she wins in April, April 4th. Doesn't mean that at all. I've seen candidates throw away races by saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Effective campaigning, effective ads, it happens. But my question for you is this, and I'll tell you what I think after I give you this number, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. One of the reasons I think the court is leaning that way is a direct response to what I just mentioned. Divided government. And I think voters will say, this is a prediction on April, and maybe say, again, anything can happen. 
is that they see this court, or future court, I should say, not this court, future court, as a check on Republican-led legislature. Now, you might ask, well, isn't the governor that? He is. Governor position can change. Supreme Court justices are there for a while, and in this case, they will be there for a while. As much as we talk about the power of Republicans in the state of Wisconsin, I don't think Wisconsin voters are ready to hand it over and give them ultimate control. Why do I say that? Because we just went through two-plus years of nonsense related to an election. And I understand some people still agree, but that number gets smaller every day. And I could certainly layer in the comments of Rupert Murdoch about Fox and what is, if this happened on any other network, you would say that's, that's it, they're done. They're finished. Outright lying passed off by Fox News, or Fox Not News, as we find out. And yet people are still willing to just shrug it off like, eh, they say what I want to hear, which is the very problem I try to highlight on this show. There's a belief among some people who do what I do that it's about what you wish to happen based on your political allegiance or your political ideology. I understand the power of that. But more often than not, if we actually had someone that kept track, those wishful thinking broadcasters are wrong. They never admit it, of course. 855-616-1620. Wisconsin politics, in a nutshell, divided, yes. Is a potential Protosewitz victory in April another Strong suggestion, more than that, a strong statement by Wisconsin voters. We don't want unchecked power by anybody, whether it's Democrats or Republicans. Not going to stand for it. See it in the U.S. Senate race. See it in divided government between the legislature and the governor. And maybe this case, one more, U.S. Supreme Court. If you disagree, welcome your calls. If you agree, also welcome your calls. That's what we do here. Wisconsin politics, always, always interesting, always chaotic. Now, when I talk to electeds, they often say, ah, that's overstated. You, the media, always overplay that. Well, I'll put it this way for all of you, and I'll be joined by two of them tomorrow, and potentially a future Supreme Court justice. Well, one of the two will be. Uh, Tony Evers will join us tomorrow, governor of the state of Wisconsin. Robin Voss, speaker of the Wisconsin Assembly. I have said it over and over again, the most powerful politician in the state. I'm going to ask them right out of the gate. Are you the most powerful politician in the state of Wisconsin? That's my first question, other than after the greeting. So I, I raise this point before the break, and I'd love to hear from you. we got some texts. love to hear from you on the phone as well, 855-616-1620. As much as we talk about the power of Republicans in the states, voters in Wisconsin have done some pretty significant things. Now, you could certainly point to candidates as the reason that the races turned out the way they did. Governor Evers defeating Tim Michaels. Senator Ron Johnson narrowly defeating Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. But I think it's more than that. 
It suggests to me that Wisconsin voters like their politics tempered a bit. I uh, tweeted something out earlier about nuance. There's a lot of nuance in politics, if you pay attention to it. But what you hear more often than not from the blowhards on the national networks and some of the blowhards on local radio here and elsewhere is this wishful thinking mindset. Wouldn't it be great if we controlled every office, every court? What could, what could we get done? And in my humble opinion, I think Wisconsin voters are sending a message. They don't like that idea. Now, if I was looking at policy and ideology, I would always lean to the Republican side. Just my DNA. But I'm also wise enough and experienced enough, having had real jobs in the private sector, that lead me to believe that not every idea from Republicans, nor every idea from Democrats, should be worshipped on the high altar of politics. Because I have a brain and it functions. Uh, 262 on the old National Bank talking text line. My belief is that people are sick of lies, conspiracy theories, and just plain old insanity. We listen for too long to this. People want sanity. Completely agree. What passes for the work product of elected officials, and it's not everybody. People like to challenge me. You, you, you blow up all the... There's some really great elected officials. I think primarily they're on the local level, but we can agree to disagree. From the old National Bank talking text line. I believe the right to choose plays a bigger role in the Supreme Court election than anything else. I said it yesterday. I did a whole hour on this. Or Friday. Abortion slash women's rights is dri- is going to drive an incredible turnout on April 4th and all the pre-voting. Trust me on that one. You can talk about money. Both sides hate money pumped into races unless it supports their candidate. It's a true fact. I've challenged people who, who tweet about this stuff, post about this stuff. Oh, look at all the money that so-and-so candidate, so-and-so party. You do the same thing. Anybody squawk about the big money donors on the Republican side? Anybody squawk about the Zuckerberg dollars or Zuckerbucks? Of course they do. Two opposite sides. If it's bad for one, it's bad for both. If it's good for, for one, it's good for both. That's the real world, folks. So when you hear somebody spouting off about that, challenge them on that point. Well, what about this? That's the only time whataboutism makes any sense. Frequent listener, texter Sam says, if you want to start turning into an Illinois, go with the Milwaukee judge. If not, stay the course. Sam from Illinois. I think you're from Illinois, right, Sam? Yeah, McHenry, Illinois, if I remember right. Um, Look, I'm not telling you who to vote for. But understand this. We had a Republican governor, a Republican legislature, and a right-leaning Supreme Court. If the work they did, if their work products, whether it's legislation, whether it's rulings, whether it's budget proposals or new ideas, if it works so well, why don't we have a Republican governor right now? That's the voters telling you, hey, Something's not right here. Don't like the direction. And that counterbalance, that shift back and forth is, by definition, 
what Wisconsin politics are about. I don't want to be Illinois, Sam. Trust me. Uh, PJ, and they have a big election, election day in Chicago today. Big, big election day in Chicago. Uh, Steve, this is from PJ in Greenfield. The state court seems to have been a rubber stamp for the GOP and, and uh, WMC and Will for quite a few years. I, I don't go all in on that. I understand what the points, but I disagree. And this has not been helpful for the hardworking people of this state. Too many things jammed down their throat. Foxconn, no Kenosha Casino, too many jobs in the state, Oshkosh Truck, and women's rights. Time for the little people to believe that we'll get a, a fair hearing. Today, they don't believe or see that they do. I think that's fairly eloquent on the subject. Voters are demonstrating what they believe. And for elected officials, and I'll ask Speaker Voss and, and Governor Evers this question tomorrow, trust me. Are they listening? Voters are saying, you haven't listened. We'll show you, with our votes, what we care about, what we want you to do. And maybe, just maybe, an elected official... Sometimes needs a good spank on the you-know-what to understand the will and the power of the voters. Not how smart an elected official thinks they are. It's how smart the voters are. Continuing our conversation on Wisconsin politics, the text line is humming today. Phone lines off this little start. So let's get that going. 855-616-1620. I think Mr. Brandon is sleeping back there. No, No activity. But we'll continue the conversation. A lot of great texts, and I, and I appreciate the text line, the old National Bank talking text line. So I get this one a lot when I talk about these issues. I agree with you with uh, being abortion being the number one issue, but it's the legislature that can change it. Yes, true. They make the laws. But here's the disconnect. They've shown no willingness to change to what I would call a compromised position. Now, you, you could say, well, why should they? Because... Voters in Wisconsin, residents of Wisconsin, overwhelmingly supports a compromise position. Whether that's when abortions can be done, the rules, how they're paid for, all of those things. And in any polling I've ever seen in this state, it's not even close. It's three to one. So you can be in in favor of absolutism or my way or the highway, but then as a consequence of that hardline position, are you prepared to lose what is now a conservative-leaning Supreme Court? If the answer is yes, okay. But that's the real-life implications of having hardline positions, left or right. Ultimately, the voters will say, I'm not comfortable with that, and they will do different things. There's a reason why Tim Michaels is not the governor. There's a reason why Mandela Barnes is not the U.S. senator from Wisconsin. It's because voters said, mm, not comfortable. And just from my perspective, Ron Johnson, was senator, senior senator from Wisconsin, was vulnerable in this term. Trust me. And to be completely honest, I'm not happy with the work product I've seen since because it's a lot of this crazy continuing post-election. And I guess that's part of the confidence of knowing you have six more years to spout that stuff. And I've had conversation after conversation off the show, offline, about those hearings, those pronouncements. 
There's nothing wrong with talking about the risk of vaccines. There is something wrong with pretending that vaccines are more dangerous than the benefits associated with getting vaccinated. And I'm not just, I'm not just tying it to COVID, to anything that we use vaccines for. And I raised the point last week, and I'm gonna, I'll raise it again in the future. What we've seen with the COVID vaccine is not only going to hurt vaccine people willing to get vaccines overall, but when we have vaccines for things like cancer, it will also hurt that. And if I hear one more person says, well, it's your time to go, what kind of world do we live in where that's a reasonable answer to anything? That seems silly and and naive to me. From the 920 on the old National Bank talking text line, Steve, Republicans need limits on power just as the limits Republicans imposed on Tony Evers before he took office. Yes, part of the reason we had we have a Republican-leaning legislature and a and a, we had a governor, Scott Walker, Republican, is because of what Democrats did before that. The yin and yang, the, the push and pull of politics. Power corrupts. People get really, really flush with power. And they assume that they can do whatever they want. And voters almost always, at least in this state, say, you know what, no, uh-uh. Not good enough. Not going to do that. So don't be surprised, my Republican friends. In April. Now, does that mean Kelly can't win? Absolutely not. And just as a quick aside about talk radio. So all the folks who said Doro was a better candidate than Kelly, and if if voters didn't choose Doro, Republicans would lose. What would happen? Would their heads explode if Kelly won? Does that mean they're going to admit they were wrong? Wink, wink, nod, nod. That'll never happen. Trust me on that one. From the old National Bank talk and text line. Texter said, listen to Sam. I like Sam. Sam's a a loyal listener and a good fan of the show. Appreciate it. He has a lot of wisdom. Uh, For the 262. I think old men in politics who truly don't believe that women's rights issues matter to the populace are in for a rude awakening in April. Yes, they could be. Will it happen? We're going to find out. And, and st- can we stop with this? I'm going to ask both candidates the question because it's something we have to ask them about. The money in the race. You don't get to accept the dollars from your guy or your fund and then blow up the other side for doing the same thing. How is that even a talkable point anymore? Whether... Mark Zuckerberg does it, or some rich guy in Illinois. I don't care. You either love it or you don't want it. There's no middle ground here. This is where this is where you understand how some people that talk for a living don't respect the knowledge of their listeners. Because if you accept that stupid claim, well, there's a word for that. Also stupid. All right, let's talk about newspapers for a second. You can join us in the conversation, 855-616-1620. Wake up those sleepy heads. Have some coffee or Diet Coke or whatever your thing is, orange juice. I am a fan of newspapers. Big fan. I still, on occasion, when I take long plane trips, I buy the uh, New York Times, 
other big Chicago paper. And um, big fan. Always have been. But there's been a a growing sense in America that um, the era of a printed newspaper is slowly going away. And I, I think in a lot of ways the writing is on the wall. Now, there's a difference between that and saying that newspapers are a dinosaur and shouldn't be around anymore. Why do I say that? Well, having worked in politics, having now talked about politics for six years as of today, I always remind people, there has to be an arbiter that's not an elected official who has an interest in self-preservation or advancement of a party ideology. There just has to be. Now, are they perfect? No. Reporters should admit to a bias because everyone has one. Now, they should try to eliminate that bias if you're talking about strict reporting of the news. One of the, the criticisms of newspapers has been, well, whatever happened to that? You're advocating. I would argue there's less of that than has been talked about, but I think it still creeps in occasionally. And we've seen a rise of advocacy journalism where a reporter who calls themselves a journalist actually advocates for one side of the political reality in this country. And I have seen journalists slash reporters argue that this is a good trend. I don't, I don't like it, and that's really a separate conversation. I also feel, this is just a personal thing, there's a lot of name-calling. Actually, two things are happening. There are people who refuse to use the actual name of the paper, and they like to make up fake names. That seems like baby games to me. I'm not going to do that. Our local paper is the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Shouldn't be hard to say that's what it is. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. A combination of the old Milwaukee Journal and the old Milwaukee Sentinel many years ago to a uh, combination paper. Why am I bringing this up? Saw a piece by Brian uh, Bruce Murphy rather uh, about Journal Sentinel circulation. He called it a disaster. Just in one year, from September 21 to 22, a 35% loss on the Sunday paper. That's 40,000 subscribers, by the way. Daily circulation, 36%. Let's look long-term. 10 years. From nearly 300,000 Sunday papers in 2012 to 75,000 last fall. That's a 75% loss in Sunday readers. So why is that? And you can join the conversation, 855-616-1620. I think the trust thing is certainly part of that. I think people get their news, obviously, from other sources, but here's the big problem. This is where the talk radio part kicks in. We have now seen the most popular national news show essentially admit they lied to their audience. So if that's the level of journalistic integrity, which I would argue they don't have anyway, I think that the danger of all of this is declining newspaper subscriptions. People's willingness to accept crazy over reality slash facts, that is dangerous. 
Now, from my chair sitting here, I refuse to accept that there's only one way we can do things, and that's to have talking heads on TV or radio control the conversation. I think there's a role for newspapers. Now, I think it's going to be primarily a digital role, which, frankly, given the tremendous loss in, in printed newspapers, I think it's just a reality that can't be denied. But I do not want... I do not want to live in a country where the, all the information comes from elected officials and biased networks. I just don't. That's a problem for me. And I think it should be a problem for you as well. We'll take a break here. 855-616-1620. You're listening to WTMJ. Talking about local newspapers decline in circulation is startling, stunning. Over 35% in one year. I say there's a value there. Let's go to the phone line. Steve from Oak Creek, my favorite city. Hey, Steve. Hey, Steve, how you doing? And I, I agree I'm with good. you. There is a value to local newspapers. I was a subscriber to the Journal Sentinel for nearly 40 years. The problem became they couldn't simply print and deliver a daily newspaper anymore. So I canceled the subscription, started to buy it at the local convenience store, and now they can't even print and deliver a paper to the convenience store today because it's printed down in Illinois. Right. Do you do you use online the the uh, JS online version? No, nope, oh. nope. I prefer I prefer to sit down with the paper in front of me. And I've also argued over the years that the trouble with the paper industry it's run by the print people, the word people. If it was run by the picture people and they had more images with captions to tell the stories, they'd have a better product. Interesting. Do you are are you going to miss the paper? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, fortunately, they I can still. Fortunately, I can still get the Weekend Wall Street Journal, which is the best paper with the best writing in the world. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Do you think um, Do you think the local paper, the Journal Sentinel, is going to survive, at least in the print version? No, it won't survive. and It won't survive at all. It's going to eventually become just a Milwaukee edition of USA Today. That's their long-term strategy anyway of USA Today. Appreciate the call. Steve Cohen from Oak Creek. Let's go to caller Mike from Illinois. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Another beautiful day in Illinois, southern Wisconsin. Yeah, to quote uh, Mr. Rogers, beautiful day in the neighborhood as well. What do you think? Indeed. So I can remember I started reading the paper in earnest when I was about 24. Uh, it was partially because I was living in the city and I take public transportation to work. Um, I don't know when it stopped. I mean, certainly when I moved out to the suburbs, I still was getting a, a subscription. But also there would always be a paper hanging around at work. I'd read it every day, um, just Monday through Friday. About that same time, though, I also started listening to the radio. And, of course, I still listen to music, but I started listening to the local, not the local, but the Chicago news station. It was just the news. Um, there was a slight bias, I felt, but I still like to listen to it. Um, I still obviously listen to the radio every day. Um, but when I was, you know, started driving for work and, you know, trying to find a station, there was the real right and the real left. Um, fortunately, I, I found you guys, which I do think you guys lean a little to the right, which I'm glad about, but you give both sides, and that's what I like. Um, my parents, who my dad's in his 80s, my mom is almost 80, they still read the Tribune, the local newspaper, which is the Daily Herald, and listen to WGN. Hmm. So they get it all, not to mention that they also get the news electronically, too. Um, I do think there's a, a benefit in it, um, but I... 
certainly have gone away from it, uh, but I still think there's a benefit in it. Thanks for the call, Mike, uh, loyal listener Mike there. Um, one of the texters said, you mean the Dead Tree newspaper? I mean, that kind of stuff just, it's just stupid. I mean, if that's all we have, I, I don't really understand the point of, of any of that. It's not an intelligent conversation in my world. Uh, Rick says, it would seem to me that none of the news sections of newspapers have, have they've lost their impact. For example, the business section, digital competition is staggering in that regard. Oh, there's competition, certainly. Milwaukee, Business Journal, our partners, Business Times. They're, they seem to be doing very well. Maybe that narrow focus on one sector of all of the news is something that a, uh, an entity like the Journal Sentinel could perhaps look to as an opportunity. Uh, from the 262, personal observation, almost everyone I know who used to subscribe to the Journal Sentinel and I'll get all their news from other free sources, often quite biased, and that doesn't even, and they don't even have an online subscription in a traditional journalism product. So yeah, that stuff's all something to reckon with. I'll just say this. I really miss the local newspapers, the ones that covered the common council meetings, school board meetings, and the like. That's a tragedy. Because the things that, and I've said this before on other issues, the things that happen in those settings have way more import on your life than anything happens in the world of talk radio and certainly in the world of politics above local government. Trust me on that one. Snow removal, garbage pickup, local taxes, what direction your cities are, are going. That death will be felt for a long time. And in the absence of that scrutiny by good, solid journalists looking at how cities do their business, don't be surprised if you see stories about communities not doing the right thing. Uh, from the 262, last word, the sad part is all news really seems to be only focused on the negative always in society. Human nature, what sells? Yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a certain... We could use the term bias as well towards the, the, the sad stories, the negative stories, the one that uh, cause us consternation, shootings, violence, political nonsense. Yeah, they gather headlines. That's why we try to, try to do a balance on this show of more than just that. You can scream and rant and rave about politics for three hours if you want to. I don't think it's healthy. I think it pollutes the discourse in our country. And at the bottom line... I think we can do better than that. I think newspapers are a part of it. One more time, the slower elected officials. When you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you're one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why, what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Okay. All right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 10 o'clock hour, Tuesday edition, busy show, big day tomorrow, WTMJ conversation, Governor, Speaker Robin Voss, Mayor of Milwaukee, Kevlar Johnson, oh, and, oh, by the way, we have both Supreme Court candidates, together, not together, separately, each a half hour, but together on the program, so how about that, what a day, 
All coming up tomorrow. Vince and Eric leading it off at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So join us for that. Nobody else does that in this market. Trust me. Um, and even, even if you don't live in this part of the country, some of the conversations will be well beyond just the scope of Wisconsin. So worth tuning in. So join us tomorrow over the air or online. The stream always available 24-7. You can find it at WTMG.com. All right. Uh, this is a story that broke last week. It's kind of been hashed over. Has to do with the Dilbert cartoon. Creator of that cartoon, Scott Adams. Comments he made on his YouTube channel. Oh, like this one. If nearly half of all blacks are not okay with white people, that's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. Made some other comments, paraphrasing. If that's your belief, you should just move away. Separates. Now, this is from a cartoonist who, I'm not a huge fan of cartoons. I read them when I was a kid, but that's a long time ago. I spend zero time looking at any cartoon anymore. Set that aside, though. This, the question that's been swirling is, oh, my God, he's getting being dropped by newspapers. Washington Post, L.A. Times, USA Today, all their affiliated newspapers across the country including the one that some people read in Wisconsin. They all made statements last week. Editor of the Plain Dealer in Cleveland said, this is not a difficult decision. We are not a home for those who espouse, espouse racism. Los Angeles Times. Cartoonist Scott Adams made racist comments in a YouTube live stream February 22nd. Offensive remarks that the Times rejects, the newspaper said on its website. The cartoonist, Scott Adams, said this. By Monday, which is Monday of this week, I should be mostly canceled. So most of my income will be gone by next week. My reputation for the rest of my life is destroyed. You can't come back from this. So my immediate response is, so why the hell did you say it? Newspapers had no choice. Everyone has a right to say whatever they want. Newspapers make editorial and business decisions. And if you listen to the last half hour or 20 minutes, they're in tough times. The last thing they're going to do is continue to run a cartoon by someone who espouses their term racist beliefs. And it's always this disconnect, and people will, will fire back. Trust me on the text line, 855-616-1620. He's just speaking his mind. He has a right to say it. Yes, he does, as does the newspaper have the right as a private company, to make a business decision. This isn't surprising or shocking. And frankly, these kind of comments, and I, I always like to have a balanced approach. I was watching a, which I never hardly do, I was watching it this morning. It was during one of the recent awards programs. And I don't remember the actress's name, but she basically, she was asked, who are you rooting for tonight? She goes, I'm rooting for all the black nominees. And she was African-American, black. And I'm thinking to myself, that's, that's your standard? So all the white people vote for the white people, all the black people vote for the black people, and that's the future of race conversation in this country? Seems rather silly. 
And I'm not equating the two things, just showing that there's some, there's some crazy stuff out there. Are there white people that hate black people in this country? Sure. Are there black people that hate white people? Sure. But shouldn't the question be, all right, so moving past that, what does the majority of the population think? Well, I would argue the majority of the population understands diversity. I would say the majority of the population understands they're going to be in relationships, whether that's personal or at work, or they have tremendous relationships with people that aren't them, don't look like them, don't pray like them, don't speak like them, dot, dot, dot. 855-616-1620. I'm not stunned at all by this. And it, I think it highlights, illustrates clearly the difference between just saying whatever you want to say, which is your First Amendment right, and somehow projecting that to be, well, why was I canceled? Well, because it's a private company, a private business, using their rights as an entity that says, this isn't good for us, this isn't good for business. And maybe we need to hammer home that point. There are consequences to what you say. If you shout fire in a crowded theater, you will cause a panic. And to the, even to the gun community, if you walk into a coffee shop with a weapon strapped to you, I think it's probably reasonable in this country to expect people to go, that seems odd to me, even though in some places you can do that. It's as simple as this. You can say things with some limits, can't advocate for violence, especially towards a person or individual. But with every First Amendment right comes the responsibility of understanding what that means, not just for the country, but for you. In the case of Scott Adams, cartoonist, you may have strong opinions about this, but you were willing to give up your career because you felt at this moment you needed to express those things walk me through the logic of that 855-616-1620 listen to WTMJ cartoonist in hot water rightly so I mean sure you can say what you want there's consequences to that stuff and the uh, the folks on the Old National Bank talk and text line essentially say the, saying the same thing. Uh, 414, Reese Scott Adams. Actions have consequences. That's from Lauren. Uh, from the 920. Hi, Steve. I just think people really don't think before they open their mouth. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I was in the store with my daughters who looked nothing like me. They looked like their father, who is from India. I am white with lighter hair. I had a woman walk up and ask me where my children were adopted from, and I answered back. No, they're mine. And her response was, oh, you're in an interracial marriage. First of all, I'll continue with the text in a second. Who has that kind of conversation in a, th- in a uh, grocery store? I mean, seriously. My goodness. Um, back to the text. I just responded back to her, no, I'm in a loving marriage and walked away. I feel people are just uncomfortable with things that they don't look like or think like them. It really gives them no right to comment. Yeah, people are certainly boisterous in their opinions. I... And I've argued there's a reason for that. We've been emboldened, some of us, by decades of shouters on the radio and TV now, right? 
Not enough to just make your case. You got to shout it. You got to have that hot take. Got to have whether it's sports or politics. You got to have that hot take so everybody hears you. And you, if you if you do it right, according to the experts, you you put a little bit of controversy in there, then and you'll get a lot of clicks and likes, and you'll be famous. Doesn't necessarily improve the discourse, but that's the world we live in. Uh, let's see. Another case of forgetting that words matter. We're all responsible for what we say and do. If you're smart, you'll think about that before you speak or act. Again, more wisdom from the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, you can't shout fire in a crowd of theater, but what about shouting it, shouting over and over about the election being rigged? Yeah. I tweeted this out last night. I just I was in one of these moods based on some research I'm doing for tomorrow's program with the uh, incredible lineup of interviews I'll have going from Governor Tony Evers, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, both candidates for, candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court in the same hour, mayor of Milwaukee. That's all in two and a half hours. And his wife, by the way. All in two and a half hours. Beat that. So I was I was on Twitter last night, and I, I just, I don't know, I was in a mood or just, just feeling it, right? And I tweeted this out. This has sort of... It's sort of related to what I was just talking about. Are we finally reaching that moment? And, I, and I'm prompted by the texter who mentioned the election nonsense, my word. Are we at that moment where the only people who still believe the 2020 election was rigged or stolen, in quotes, are flat earthers or just generally nuts? I think we're at that moment. Does it mean elections are perfect? No, they never are. That's a reasonable opinion to have. But to go from that to the Carrie Lakes, Janelle Branchens, Tim Ramthuns, Michael Gableman, Mike Lindells, I mean, the list is long now, is a reach that most reasonable, rational adults just aren't willing to make. So I was reading the comments this morning on that post, just because I was feeling it last night. Up north, Dan, the signs should be pretty obvious. Susan. I think it is cognitive dissonance. That's a hard word to say, dissonance, mostly. But some are indeed nuts. Stolen rigged election allows people not to have to admit to bad candidates, bad messaging, bad campaigns. Yes. Brian says, not here in Arizona. They're, they're called legislative committee chairs. Well done. Brian. The worst of the people who grift off the people who still believe. Yeah, that raising money on that nonsense. And I'll say it again, loudly and clearly, why in the world would you donate to that nonsense? You're, you're wasting, you might as well throw it on the streets. Todd says we're well past that point. Yes. Jim, I suspect a number of them are just defiant with too much emotional investment in their belief. They'll never admit they have been played. I certainly see that. Lots of people just saying, yeah, nuts. Disney Dad says, pretty sad it took three years to get to this point. Yeah, isn't it? Mike says, Carrie Lakes is filing another lawsuit tomorrow with the Arizona Supreme Court over her loss. I bet she still thinks 2020 was rigged. She does, trust me. Read extensively, extensively about her. So why do I bring this up? Because it still persists. Which brings me to the crazy that is Marjorie Taylor Greene. And something that happened to her yesterday. Now, I will, I will defend her, because I can chew gum and walk at the same time. I will defend her on one, one point, but blow her up on another. I'll get to that after this on WTMJ.
Indeed, the Irish tenors are the real deal, and uh, you listen to this program for the full three hours, you have an opportunity to win a pair of tickets. I do it all three hours. Could be 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, today it's 10.26. To be specific, could be 11.15 tomorrow, who knows? Tremendous talents. Audience of all ages love them, Irish tenors. Just sounds amazing. Full house, standing ovations wherever they go. Here's your chance to get a pair of tickets. We'll do it all this week during the show. Got to listen. Three hours every day, Monday through Friday. This show only. Don't spin that dial. Don't change the, don't change the station. All right. Caller number four to honor the greats, Brett Favre and Paul Molitor. Caller number four will win a pair of tickets to see the Irish tenors March 14th at the Pap Cedar. Be nice to Brandon, 855 616 1620-855-616-1620. You win a pair of tickets. We'll do that three more times this week. All right, so I mentioned this story. If you listen to the show, you're not, I'm not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I saw a video last night of her doing, I think it was a CrossFit workout. Anybody who does a workout like that, I like CrossFits. She is taking CrossFit to the extreme, and she will be injured if she keeps doing a workout like that. But set that aside. She has now claimed she was at a restaurant last night. And she says she was attacked. In a tweet, she, was, she says she was attacked by an insane woman who screamed at her and her adult son. Her uh, staff member confirmed it. Nick Dyer has his name. He talked to NBC News. So they're in the restaurant. Woman finished dinner, came over the table, introduced herself politely at first before she started berating Green. Woman's son apparently came over, started screaming expletives at the top of his lungs. All right, so two things. You can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Anybody who engages in this behavior in public places, the candidate's not wrong. You're wrong. Don't do it. Never acceptable. Respect people's privacy. I don't care what their political opinions are. And if you know me, you know I don't believe most of what comes out of Marge's mouth. But I set that aside for one moment because something that Marjorie Taylor Greene said in her tweet about this struck a chord. Here's her tweet. I was attacked in a restaurant tonight by an insane woman and screamed at by her adult son. Again, not acceptable. They had no respect for the restaurant or the staff or the other people dining or people like me who simply have different political views. True. They are self-righteous, insane, and completely out of control. I was sitting at my table working with my staff and never even noticed these people until they turned into demons. Here's where I lose it. Next line of the tweets. People used to respect others even if they had different views. Are you serious? Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative from Georgia, the Atlanta area, Atlanta area. What are you talking about? You have shown no ability to respect other people's opinions to the extreme. So while I completely condemn the behavior of the other restaurant diners, this is nuts. Listen to the words you typed in this tweet. You can't say one thing and do something else. And I agree with you that this person or persons went too far, but come on. Some reality has to creep into the conversation. Started here. I know there'd be a lot of questions about Aaron. Um, just so you guys know, we haven't really had those conversations yet, so not, not a lot to report um, until we have those conversations. But with that, I'll take some questions. 
General Manager Brian Gutekunst of the Green Bay Packers. I'm, I'm bringing in my illustrious producer, Brandon Snide, sports guy, morning show, morning. It's got some morning news. Um, am I alone in saying I'm shocked they haven't had a conversation since the end of the season? It ended kind of tragically a long time ago, like two months ago. No conversation at all. I think the biggest thing Goody said was what he didn't say. Okay, fill us all in. He did not mention anything about we want Aaron Rodgers back. Hmm, those specific words, because he did talk about restructuring at a later point. In the- if he were, he said, if he were to come back, they would have to restructure because right. Aaron Rodgers said he would. Well, I've said they're going to trade him, and I, don't, I think you said this some, something similar. Again, we're not, you know, we're not on in the on the team or in the heads of uh, Brian Gutekunst or Matt Lafleur or Mark Murphy, but. It's it, it. This to me suggests that you, you think it suggests that he's back. Is that what you said? No, I I think the longer that we go without hearing from either side. Now, obviously, we we heard from Goody because we we had to. He was he had an obligatory, uh, oblig, obligatory. Did I say that right? Obligatory. Obligatory. No, that's not the right word. Obli- a mandatory. Uh, <laughs> um, press conference, press pool, whatever you want to call, with the local press. Uh, but I think that the longer we go without hearing anything. I think the more likely a trade would be imminent. I don't understand how you go. You're two weeks away from the offseason, from the new league year. According to him, because I read some of the transcript, March 15th is a drop. That's free agency. Yeah, he March- wants the decision by then. That's like two weeks from now. Well, he, he, I, would, I would imagine he needs a decision by then because if you're trading Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to be cheap, right, for whoever's getting him. So you're going to get a lot of uh, in return. And could be players, could be... Future draft picks, it could be some cap space uh, freedom. But do you want to hear exactly what he said in, yeah, in yeah. regards to having not having those conversations? Roll the tape. Here's Goody. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously those com- our feelings haven't changed about Aaron. Um, but we, we need to have some of those conversations about our team, where it's going, uh, where he's at, um, you know, before we go forward. It's an interesting, I mean, this is this is two weeks of, of Aaron Rodgers' watch. I know the morning guys have fun with that. I, I've said he's going to be traded. Listening to his comments, reading the rest of his comments that we didn't play, that seems more likely than any restructuring or bringing back a player for what fifty million bucks or whatever it is this year. I mean, it's a lot of money. He he, he would make. I saw this tweeted out last night. He would make more than the other three quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. division combined. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and what what's also telling from the uh, Goody's press conference, he was very, 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 very high. On Jordan Love. Yeah, I saw that. Spoke very highly ready of Ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. Ready to be an NFL. Seeing things that he's never seen in Jordan Love prior to the, the, the beginning of this year. So that's a ringing endorsement. He's, uh, he also mentioned, too, it should be noted, that he has been in constant communication, and I quote Goody on that, with Jordan Love's camp. He has had none with Aaron Rodgers going back over a month now. So today's Tuesday. You know what that means. Pat McAfee usually talks yeah. to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, last week he... I don't think he did last. He did week. not. He wasn't. He was just coming. I think he was just getting out of the darkness retreat. So, do we expect that at some points, maybe they're already out there, comments of an Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show? Uh, last year, if you recall, March eighth, Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show, and that's when we got the decision that he was coming back to Green Bay. Oh. It is going to be March first tomorrow. Uh, I've been monitoring Pat McAfee's Twitter. I have not seen any announcement. I'm sure that if it was going to come on Pat McAfee, they're not just going to spring it up on people. They're going to promote it and promote it. But nothing yet on Pat McAfee, and I would anticipate that within the next week we probably have – I mean, I think we got to have an answer. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you know what you want to do. 
Yeah, and it's got, I think, free agency that date of March 15th matters in this conversation. So I think that's a, that is a drop dead date. Hey, you're two months after the season, Steve. The, the season ended January 3rd. Yeah. It's not like it ended two weeks ago. I mean, we're going on two months. All right. So you're, I'm of the, he's going to be traded camp still. You're, yeah, I, I think the, the longer it goes without, without a resolution, I think it's going to be a trade. All right, just to have some fun with it, I'm not going to spend any more time on it. Um, the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line open for your Aaron Rodgers predictions. Stay and play for the Packers. Trade for someone and play with somebody else. I guess retirement's still an option. I don't think it's a realistic one. He's not going to walk away from $60 million or whatever that, that buyout number would be. Um, just give me your thoughts. We'll take a break here. Lots more to get to. We'll do it after this in WTMJ. Oh, yeah, I'll be seeing the boss next week. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen him in a long time. I saw him a lot early in his career. I'm talking way back. And uh, from what I've heard, a, any recent... I have friends who see him on occasion. Any recent concert you've been to, he's, he's all Bruce and all the, the amazing songs in his uh, library, which is significant. All right, so that's next week. Hey, I wanted to mention this to you because we're the number one podcast in WTMJ. I don't know if you know that. This show. Love that. And that ranking matters to me. But And you can always find our show and the podcast, and we even break it down. Producer Brandon breaks it down to in individual interviews or some of the fun features we do. But our podcast is available now wherever you get podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere. You can find us. Just get on the app, hit play, and tune in to me, to the talk that really matters. I like to say often that it's the only radio show where you don't have to check your brain at the door, and I, I say that for a reason. Our listeners are smart. That means if you listen, you fall into that category. Now, I also have a disclaimer on that. You, you can be smart, but also be wrong on occasion. So it's not exclusive, not absolute, but that's where you can find us if you're not able to access us at WTMG.com. So anywhere you get your podcast, we're there. And that's cool. All right. I am. Um, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about this. I'm a recent convert to self-checkouts. Not that I really want to always check my own stuff out, but typically I don't go to the store that often. But when I go to the store, I have a couple items, maybe one item. For example, I bought some flowers for... Valentine's Day for my wife. In and out. Local pick and save, got some flowers. I was at a local Sendex recently, bought one thing. Macaroni salad. You've been to Sendex? Are you Sendex? There's one. No. I don't have one in my city. We should rectify that. I live near you, so I don't have one either. Yeah. But there is one on Rawson Avenue in the beautiful city of Franklin um, that I like to frequent. Their macaroni salad, simple thing. It's the best there is. I've heard really good things about it. Oh, my God. Their deli is uh, unbelievable. So, Sendex, nod to you. Anyway, I saw this story. I'm not, a, I'm not a shopper, you know, at all, really, but I do occasionally, as I've just talked about, step into a, a grocery store or a retail establishment on occasion. I don't know that I've ever been inside a Trader Joe's, but one of Trader Joe's, and I think they're owned by the Aldi Corporation, which, last time I checked, is in Oak Creek. Um, Ryan and 13th, right off the freeway, I-94. All that doesn't matter. They have a policy of no self-checkouts at all in any of their stores. I'm curious, where are we at on self-checkouts? I, I am starting to like them. 
But I don't buy like a grocery cart full of groceries or whatever. I'm a one item here, one item there, maybe a couple things, two, three things, and I can easily check myself out. Where is America at on the self-checkout? Is that the way we're going? I was at I was at the local Meyer store. And they sort of corral you into this array of I think like 10 or 12 self-checkout machines. So you have to come in a common entrance and then you're like in this corral where you can pick a machine and, and you have to wait in line if they're all being used, which sometimes is the case. And then you self-check out, and then at some point you leave the corral and you go on your merry way. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. I'm starting to think this is the future. Actually, not even the future. This is the way of grocery markets and grocery stores. But to the folks at Trader Joe, they say, no, we're not doing this. We're not, we're not going to that technology. I have a feeling I know what, what the reason is, and that reason would be shrinkage or more commonly called shoplifting. They can control that, whether it's an Aldi's or a Trader Joe's. Where are you at on this? I'm becoming very used to it. Now, I was just at a quick trip this morning. Texter says, Steve, I, I love self-checkout as long as I have five or fewer items. Um, but somebody said the newer quick trips are installing them. It's an interesting concept. I mean, as far as innovation goes, when you're talking about gas slash convenience stores, I mean, Quick Trip, come on, we know. If you know, you know, and that's one of the examples. But is this where we're going? And if you're somebody, again, not me, because I'm not the typical shopper. If you got like 30 items in a cart, are you going to love doing the checkout on all these? And and how does coupons fit, fit into all this? Peter from River West. I have no problems with the self-checkout lines. The problem I come up with is when I'm ready to walk out and they want to see my receipt. I have just done your job because your company does not want to be a cashier. You either trust me by scanning everything out or get back in the register and do the job that you're supposed to be doing. Strong words from Peter in River West. Well, you know my thoughts on shoplifting. It's out of control, and I'm a big fan of show me your receipts. And that's because of that reason. I understand the point you're trying to make. If I did the work, I shouldn't have to show my work. I get it. And it sounds like, Peter from River West, you're still um, not completely satisfied with the self-checkout experience. But that's the reality. That's where we're moving. I mean, you've been to a Lowe's or a... Yeah, Lowe's. I don't think Menards has gone there yet. Self-checkout. It's a thing. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We'll return to that conversation after this. Oh, yeah, some great music there. How about that? All right, so where are you at on self-checkouts? I'm starting to come around. I hate, you know this, I hate shopping almost exclusively. Dave from Greenfield, first up. Hi, Dave. Hey, how are you? I'm good. So what's your thoughts? Well, it's funny because I just thought Bigfoot had put me on the air, and I said I just left Walmart in Greenville. Turned you guys on, and here you're talking about this. <laughs> they're all self-checkout now. All okay. self-checkouts. And there's six to eight ladies that work. They're standing watching us. I thought the reason for it was to save money on employees. They might as well just check a 
this out if they're going to be there. Interesting points. Dave, Dave might be an early leader for text of the day. Look, I, I get your points. I, I think it's supervision, but, I mean, if you're going to pay the people, why pay them to stand there? Why not pay them to check people out? Uh, we're, lo- we're losing you, Dave. I had to let you go there. I, I like Dave's point, though. Seems like a, um, a redundant use of man and woman power. Let's squeeze James from the south side. Hi, James. How are you doing there? I'm wonderful. I, I, I've uh, been pushed into that uh, because uh, the st- when I used to do that uh, pre-COVID or co- during the COVID type of thing, they were always asking for change. See, you round this off till the next mm-hmm. hour or mm-hmm. whatever that is, whether it's 15 cents or 99 cents. What the heck? They're making a lot of darn money on uh, uh, on the products and that. Why in the heck should we have to pay more money in uh to their slush fund or whatever else that they're uh, collecting for, and I, I and I, I feel that hey, if that if that's the way they want to be, well, I'll, I'll I'll shop, but I'll go on their uh, uh, self checkout type of thing and that, and I avoid that and avoid a lot of the other stuff that they probably do. Uh, do you think would would having exclusively self checkout lanes or lines would that make you not shop in a place, or do you or do you just deal with it? Well, I'm 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 used to it now. I mean, I'm not I'm not buying forty items when I'm going to the store. I'm I'm buying maybe a half a dozen items or so. But I feel that uh, I can I can move about. I mean, some of the, if I see where, um, like pick and save was uh, down in uh, uh, what you call that oh Tosa there a bunch of weeks back where they had a line all the way back in the store. They didn't have no uh, uh, what you call it. They didn't have no checkers or that. Uh, I, like, gee, I, I left the Dargan basket in that. And I just said, heck, on this, this is on a Sunday. I, I'm gone. I'm not. I'm not waiting in line. I'm not waiting in line for forty minutes or thirty minutes or whatever it is. James, you're a so. Southside guy. Have you ever had the macaroni salad from Sendix? Oh yeah, I've, I've had oh, that. Oh my goodness. I, I, hey, I, the thing that uh, the thing that I've had uh, too that that's been good, and that's the potato salad, macaroni salad. Yeah, it's, un- uh, it's amazing. Thanks for the call, James. I had to let you go there. Look, this is the reality of the world we live in. Self-checkout, it's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, I just got a text, 920. We went grocery shopping with our daughter in London last week. She took a scanner with her through the store and scanned her items as she put them into her cart. At the end, she went to a kiosk, pointed her handheld scanner at the checkout machine, and paid the amounts. Very slick. There's a few stores like that in the United States. I will say this, having shopped in a couple grocery stores in Europe recently, they're ahead of us by far. They have this kind of stuff. They don't have traditional checkout people like we are have become used to over the years. They don't have that. It's almost all this. They will help you, of course, and that's not going to go away. You always have to have someone that's going to expedite problems because we are not perfect, we being the customers. That's always going to be an issue. Um, Mitch... Uh, Dave can't be texture of the day. He called. I'm protecting my territory. I know. It was such a good point, though. I wanted to make him texture of the day. Text that in. Maybe I'll do it still. I get it, Mitch. Stickler for details. I know. Call of the day, though. Come on. Come on, Mitch. Uh, John, quick trip to replace Shriners Restaurant has self-checkout. There we go. Boy, do I miss Shriners, too. Oof. What a great restaurant that was. Many, many decades. Uh, love self-checkout. Even better, scan and go to Sam's Club. That's from John. Hey, Steve, it's a lower skill and probably pay grade for a store to have a receipt checker than a checkout person, thus it saves the store money. That's from John. Yeah, I don't know the hierarchy of pay for those different jobs, but I think we need both. 
right? I think every store, here's what I, here's in the perfect world. Every store has a traditional checker, someone checking you out, many self-checkout lanes, and then I'm a big fan of the receipt thing for the reasons I mentioned, the shrinkage slash shoplifting. we got to monitor that. I don't want people just skating out through the, the line not paying. We have to do better on that. Uh, all right, lots to get to, 11 o'clock hour. Uh, our, our pal, our regular contributor, a couple times a month, Christian Slider, will join us, who also, by the way, is now a accomplished radio host, having done WTMG Nights recently. We'll ask him about that experience, what that was like for him. Author, columnist, smart guy. Polit- politics is his, uh, his main sport, but uh, we'll dig into some other stuff as well. Baseball, probably come up, music. That's all coming to the 11 o'clock hour, including, by the way, interesting debate about coffee shops. Are we screwing, my word, one more time. The folks who drink traditional coffee, when you represent a district, your function is to represent all the people in your district, not only the people that agree with you. Talking about what really matters. If you are one of those people, if you don't like pizza, first thing, why? what's wrong with you? Two, why is that? How can that be a thing, that you don't like pizza? Too messy? And don't tell me you eat pizza with a fork, please. And bringing you the biggest forum to let your voice be heard. Hello, political poll. I never have before, but go ahead, shoot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Now, broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Hey, all right. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. Showtime. Here's Steve Scafidi. Oh, you bet it is. From uh, California to Florida to London, England, and all parts in between. Thanks for tuning in on the big show on this Tuesday. Don't forget our big broadcast tomorrow, WTMJ Conversations. My chunk, two and a half hours of some of the biggest radio you're going to hear in a long time, all in one place. Governor, speaker. Both candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court and the mayor of Milwaukee. That's exciting. And his wife, who uh, will, I think she might end up talking more than the mayor does because uh, Sandy Max and I are doing that half hour, which I'm thrilled about. It's my first time to work with Sandy. You know her as the, one of the voices of Wisconsin's afternoon news. All right. So this next discussion is real life to me, and I bet it is to you as well. And I saw there, there was some conversation online, the, the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, about coffee drinkers. Not the, not the foo-foo drinks, my, my term. You know, the cappuccino, frappuccino, all that stuff. Just straight coffee. Black coffee. or Yeah, black coffee. Whatever, you know, medium roast, dark roast, French roast, whatever it is. Do we deserve, because often, like the other day, I went to a Starbucks and just got regular coffee. What's cheaper, by the way, than those fancy drinks? Do we deserve to have a priority line in places like Starbucks or local coffee shop? I say yes. The Collectivos of the world, the Stone Greeks. I think the answer to that question is yes. Why do I say that, Steve? Why are you saying that at 1110 on a Tuesday in the largest city in the state of Wisconsin. Because why should I wait for someone to have a whipped-up drink that's taken five minutes when my coffee takes literally 10 seconds to pour, boom, 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 out the door? 10 seconds to pour, boom, 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 out the door. I'm like a rapper. I didn't even know it. 
They hate engineers and producers hate when you pound on the table. But I felt that was an, an important point in the show that I needed to highlight. So if you're listening to the podcast, I'm literally pounding on the table. I am eight five five six one six one six twenty. I request. I was going to say I demand, but I push back on people when they say I demand this because it seems a little harsh, a little extreme. I request that when I go into a coffee shop of a chain or otherwise, if I'm drinking black coffee and that's it, I go first before all the fancy, hard-to-make drinks happen. Do you agree or disagree? Yay or nay? If you don't want to call, text 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. I say we go first. Why do I say that? Because it makes us more efficient. The store, shop, coffee or otherwise, can move the lines along. Hey, anybody drinking straight-up coffee? Boom, let's go. Quick, fast, gets the line moving. If you like these long-time-to-make drinks, then you should be accustomed to waiting for them. I don't even think it's a debate. Three, right off the bat, long-distance listener. I disagree. Tell me why. 262, yes. I think this is a service opportunity. This is a moment of clarity in an industry that probably needs some. So many of us, and I've told you about my routine, right? I don't go to the same place every day. I mix it up. I go to Speedway. I go to Quick Trip. I go to Starbucks. I go to McDonald's. I love to break up the status quo. I am bored by people that go and get the same drink every day at the same place, eat the same lunch at the same time, the same way, in the same place. No, not going to do it. Never going to be me. And why not take an opportunity to make a special group of your customers? I see the phone lines are already lighting up. 855-616-1620. Why not take the opportunity to make a, a special group of customers who make it so easy? Straight up coffee, nothing else, boom, out the door. Why not take the opportunity to make their life better and your efficiency as a service operation that much better? All right, 262. Are you going to do the same at the bar? Pop my beer before you make that old-fashioned... Let's have that conversation. First comes first. I don't know. 331 wouldn't work in the drive-thru. Yeah, I'm not talking about the drive-thru. I'm talking about walk-in customers. Uh, let's see. Steve, let's just have a self-checkout line for coffee drinkers like us. Yes! Mary calls from one of my favorite places in the state. Watts Homa. Hi, Mary. Hey, how you doing, Steve? I'm good. What do you think about this crazy idea? Well, personally, I think if you're if you go in, I don't think you should go to the front of the line. I think you should wait like everybody else. But in every experience I've had, especially at Starbucks, if the lady who's or the person who's taking my order just knows that I'm getting a black coffee, they're the ones that'll just go run over there, get a black coffee, and out the door I go. So they're kind of already doing that. Oh, yeah, they do that. I, the one on uh, Miller Parkway does that, the one in Wauwatosa. They do that. So the person who takes the order normally is the person that makes the drinks. They're just taking the orders, and it takes the staff and puts it wherever. 
But anytime I've ever gone in those places, they just make my black coffee and I'm gone. I love Mary bringing the wisdom. How's life in Watoma, Mary? Um, it's nice and sunny. It's beautiful, really. <laughs> there you go, Mary. Relatively. Go ahead. No, relatively speaking, it's very nice. There you go. Thank for th- February. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time, Mary from Watoma. Well, there you go. She's bringing wisdom I didn't have. Apparently, some of the, I think she said Starbucks. Moving it along for the regular coffee drinkers. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank and talk, Talking Text. I have a ton of texts. Welcome the, the calls like Mary spreading some sunshine on a Tuesday. You know where we're at, the Avenue Studios. Beautiful downtown Milwaukee celebrating a gorgeous winter day after that hellacious day yesterday. But you know what? Wherever you're at, from Florida, I went through that before. Wherever you're at, you're listening to this show, which demonstrates to me, one, you probably got your coffee already, and two, you make smart choices in life. We'll continue the validation of that theory by me after this on WTMJ. The coffee conversation, should I as a, a, not always, but almost exclusively just straight coffee, straight up coffee, homie. Should I skip to the front of the line? I say yes, as should anybody else. We're easy. Boom, boom, boom. Order out the door. Now, I was expecting this question, 262, on the old National Bank talking text line. Okay, Steve, how about making your own? Wow, what a concept. I do make my own. One day a week, and then on the weekends, I make my own. My own little coffee maker. Greg is driving. Greg is going to share some wisdom. What's your wisdom, Greg? Hey, Jeff. Great show. Not Jeff. Steve, Greg. Jeff's after me. Steve, I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. No problem. No problem. I like Jeff, too. Hey, I go to Starbucks every single day. Really? So I feel like like I'm a stockholder, right? Yeah. And I complained about this when the COVID thing was hitting. For some reason, they started serving at the end, I mean, you take an order, then they would go down there. You would sit there and you would wait forever. And not only that, you were then in a disorder with the drive-up people. And so it took them forever to do it. I used to go, and they knew I was a regular, and they knew I was getting so frustrated sitting there. You would sit there for like 10 minutes just to get a cup of coffee. I called Starbucks so many times and said, what is going on? Why are they doing this? It was It was horrible. And I, I noticed then they went back and they started doing it where you would just turn around and get it. But lately, a couple of the stores that I go to, and I go to a lot of different stores, and I go every day, I've seen a couple of them where you're getting it at the end again. And I'm going, that's not good for the person like you or I. Yeah. I just get my coffee and I walk out the door. I don't want to, people order food, that's fine. If I order food, I know I'm going to wait. All right. I should not wait for a cup of coffee. All right, Greg. You have a direct pipeline to the folks at Starbucks. What do you want to say? 30 seconds. You what bet do, I do. What do you want to say to them right now, to the folks at Starbucks, well, about your order? Go. I just want my cup of coffee. That's what I tell them. <laughs> I just want my cup of coffee. I'm your best I'm your best customer. Clearly. Every day. I'm every day. I'm spending $3.50 a day for a cup of coffee. Come on. Yeah. Turn around and get it, and I'm done. Bless you, Greg. I think you, I think Greg gets it. He's a loyal listener, but he's also a coffee drinker. And that's what frustrates me. I don't want to wait five or six minutes for someone to make a, a, a foo-foo drink at Starbucks. I know a lot of kids like them. I know a lot of parents apparently don't mind that their kids are spending their hard-earned dollars on these drinks. Because Tell me if these kids are making enough to have one of these every day. And some of these kids have them every day. 
So I take my kids, we go periodically on the weekends. If I have a couple of them with me, if you guys listen, you know I have five. Mm-hmm. Almost $40 in order. Shut up. Yeah. And mine's not, I'm relatively cheap, you know, three, four bucks. But they do, yeah. They like all the. the Give me the order. Do you know what the orders they, they have? I mean, like the cookie crumble, come frappuccino no. with all the sprinkles and chocolate chips. You're going to dread that when the dentist bills start it's, coming. It's coming already. Oh, my goodness. Why? $40. I'm a good dad. Yeah, well, not on the coffee now I, thing. Now they got their own, you know, they, birthdays and Christmases, they have the Cash App card. So now when we go to places, yeah, you got they, your own money. They got their own walking around money. I, I love that. But hey, look, and I love the, you know, yeah, I'll tell you a personal story. I have not paid. I only go to Starbucks once a week, if that, sometimes every two weeks. I have not paid my own money for a purchase at Starbucks in like five years. Because I don't, like when we have birthdays, I have birthdays or Christmas, I don't need anything. Trust me. I got all the stuff. I don't have the tools I need. I have all the golf equipment I need. I have all the gardening stuff, all that stuff. I say, just buy me a Starbucks gift card. I went to Starbucks last week, and my my app had like one hundred and seventy two dollars on it, and that's that's low. I have not paid for Starbucks, but, but also because I don't order an eight dollar drink, I order like a three dollar something. Let's say yeah, okay, so a black coffee is like three bucks. For yeah, you? I think okay. so. Man, I thought it was. It might have even been two seventy nine. Very expensive. Well, that's why I don't do it. Every, I, yeah, once a week, once every two weeks. Right. Man, I, I just I can't see paying forty bucks. Um, okay, so lots of text on this, and you can join us, 855-616-1620. Um, 414. Starbucks cashier will take your money and fill your regular coffee right away. If you order a food item, it will take longer. Yeah, I get that. I'm starting to hear good things, though, because it sounds like Starbucks are trying to do the right thing. That was the point of the original tweet that I saw. That was my point. Why are you making customers wait? It's more efficient to deal with the people that are just having coffee quickly, get them out of the way, then you got plenty of time to make your fancy, as I call them, foo-foo drinks. Um, Starbucks is about, this is from the 414, Starbucks is about the experience, standing in line, walking out with your cup, so everyone can see that you went to Starbucks. (laughs) I don't want the experience, just a regular cup of coffee. I'll go anywhere where I can pour a cup for myself and quickly pay for it. You be you. That's wonderful and amazing. That's America. America 2023. Uh, see, because of political reasons, I'll never go to Starbucks and what the heck is a barista. That's something that makes all these foo-foo drinks and fancy coffee drinks. Um, the politics of it, you've heard me talk about this before. That We spend too much time worrying about what owners of companies or companies' political feelings are about a variety of topics. Trust me, if you knew the politics, here's, here's the blanket statement. If you knew the politics of all the places you shop or go to, you'd have a, probably have a much different schedule of where you go to buy things. Let's, let's leave it at that. Um, 414, kind of a related question. Then allow me, or comment, allow me to get off an airplane before all the people with carry-on luggage to, to pull from the overhead bins. Hey, don't even get me started on that. We load, we load planes improperly rear should go first we don't do that we want to make people feel better by making them vips or you know a group b group that's all nonsense if someone doesn't have luggage first off the plane and by the way for all of you who are on planes with carry-on bags and i'm half and half sometimes we carry on sometimes we don't depends where we're going and how much time we have Every second or minute, in some cases, that you waste getting your bag down, 
multiply that by the number of passengers on the plane. So if you're in the rear or the middle of the plane, we got to wait for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, because you're, you're not urgent about your baggage retrieval. Yeah, I don't care about you so much. I care about everybody on the plane. Stop, stop making people at the back of the plane wait forever because you want to be slow with your departure. Pick it up a little bit. Quick break. Continuing our coffee conversation. A lot of people mad at me. I'm not trying to jump the line. It's just like, why should I wait 10 minutes when I'm just having regular coffee? The express line, the drive-up is a different scenario. You wait because you wait. Uh, long-time listener, big-time fan of the show, Lamar from Orlando, Florida. Thanks for the long-distance listen. Uh, the reason they load back to front is the overhead bin space. The more expensive seats are up front, so they get their first dibs on overhead bin space. Yeah, I get that. The rear loaded first. The folks paying more would lose out on bin space. I don't care. I just want to get off the plane. <laughs> the, you, know, the, you know, the whole thing has morphed into crazy anyway with the amount of stuff people are now carrying on planes. I understand they don't want to pay the fees or whatever, although Southwest is. Uh, you can check at least one bag free, so that's cool. Um, on the coffee thing, yeah, it's. I suppose in some places they've figured it out. I hope more places do. Because the best businesses, the best retailers, the best coffee shops, restaurants, providers of service understand that one size fits all is not necessarily the best business model, keeping your customers happy in whatever world you uh, sell or work in. It's probably the best. And if you can expedite that line and for the regular coffee drinkers, that means, boom, order out the door. Lots more room in the restaurant. Starbucks aren't big anyway. Look. I'm not bashing Starbucks. I'm not back bashing any coffee place. I love coffee. Drink it all day. I always amaze people that I can drink coffee at 10 o'clock at night and go to bed 15 minutes later. It doesn't bother me at all. That's just me. That's not a common thing, but I love coffee, and I'll drink it all the time. All right, after the break, one of my favorite contributors to the show, Christian Snyder, author, columnist, now radio host, and about 100 other jobs that he does, will join us Let's go, let's go, let's go. I love this guy, Christian Schneider. Now he's a big-time radio star. If you're listening to WTMJ Nights last week, he hosted... Uh, well, what night was that, Christian? Uh, it was Monday night last week. I actually went back and listened to it last night. I love the conversation, the great guests. Are you digging the radio experience? It's a lot of work. I appreciate uh, I pre- appreciate what, what you guys do. It, it is a lot of work. A lot of people think it's just you just walk in and start jabbering about stuff, but there, there's some prep that's involved. But I'm I'm glad that you're part of our stable of occasional guest hosts because I, I, li- I like the wisdom you bring to a lot of subjects, which kind of prompts our conversation. We're going to go all over the place today because we were talking off the show about some of the things to talk about. Are, are, you, are you a baseball guy, Brewers guy? What are you? I'm a baseball guy and a lifelong Brewers guy, yeah. Okay, so... I spent some time talking to the sports guys about the, all the changes, pitch clock, bigger bases, extra runner in the, uh, in the extra innings. And I, I don't know if you're a purist or not, but where do you fall on the, the changes in Major League Baseball this year? I sort of like the pitch, the pitch clock. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a purist where I figure, you know, people have figured out the, the stuff for 100 years. They should be able to figure it out now. Like, you know, the new rule uh, against the shift I always thought to myself, well, 
you know, a batter should be able to figure out the shift. If you don't, if you don't want to hit it into, you know, four players on the right side of the field, then learn to hit it to the left side of the field. Exactly. I don't, um, I don't like that rule, and I don't like the second, uh, the extra runner in, in extra innings. I mean, how many, how many extra bases could a guy like Christian Yelich get when they load up on the right, the right side of the uh, the infield? If you just lay down a bunt every now and then, yeah. I mean, you, you figure it out, right? Yeah, who bunts but, anymore? Uh, True, but the problem is now you can't get base hits anymore, so everybody's swinging for the fences. And then now I think I think the league batting average last year was like two forty three or something like that, like like the lowest since the since the sixties. Yeah, somebody tweeted this out in uh, in like twenty years ago. Most teams averaged above two fifty. Now they're like ten every year. There's like ten teams that are below that number. If that's the Mendoza line, that that's I don't know. And there's a lot of great pitching, but but something's going on there. Yeah, and they made some rule rule changes at the time too. I mean, they they lowered the mound. Um, those are the Bob Gibson days where you know he's like two feet off the ground and <laughs> right. just really intimidating. So, so they changed the rule and batting averages came up, and I assume they will now, which is good. I mean, it's good to see more action on the bases and and things like that. Um, I do I do sort of like the pitch clock though because the games are getting pretty long. Like I actually went back. And I looked at the the World Series between the uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers in '82, and of the seven games there, only two actually went over three hours, and the longest one was like three hours and four minutes. And those are World Series games. Yeah. So there's you know more uh, uh, you know commercials and things like that. Now the average game is over three three hours four minutes something like that. I mean just during the year, and so people are there forever, and. I don't know. The younger people, I guess, don't uh, don't dig the the long games. So, so here's here's the absurdity. I'll go on two different extremes. Like I haven't heard what the guru of baseball, Bob Costas, has to say about it, but I'm sure that he's not a fan of some of this stuff. But so a couple of things on the weird part of this. One was beer vendors complaining that if the games go so fast, we'll sell less beer. Your thoughts? Well, people are also going to be less soft. There's, there's going to be. <laughs> There's going to be fewer problems in the stands. Yes, of course. Fewer two two fisted slobbers. Yeah, um, I think it's I, that's of all the things to worry about. That would be the the last thing that I would worry about. And the other one was, and this this one is an it's kind of an interesting one from a purist perspective. Okay, so if you're changing the dynamics for pitchers and hitters, could a fantastic, amazing pitcher like Cy Young level, could they be changed or impacted in a way that they're no longer as brilliant a pitcher, or on the other side, a hitter? As they used to be. Now that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And there's also, isn't there a uh, a limit on how many times you can throw over to first base now? Three. So, yeah. So if you're a base runner, all you have to do is just dupe the pitcher into throwing over there three times, and then you know they can't go over there again. So you're gonna get you're gonna get a pretty good jump, I would think. Yeah, I, you know we're in spring training now, so they're getting used to these rules. I'll be interested to see what happens when the when the real real games start in in less than a month. Now, I, I love baseball, watching baseball. I don't need to be sitting there for four hours or sometimes longer than that on a weeknight. It makes my life miserable, and anybody who has to wake up early uh, would be in the same boat. And and even for kids, if you tell a kid, you know they can watch a whole game and and be still be home by like I don't know ten o'clock. Parents will do that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I think soccer is gaining popularity in America is because it's a running clock. You know exactly when the game is going to end, um, and with baseball, I mean, you could just go forever. I mean, it's, 
it's great because it's pastoral and there is no clock and, you know, you get, you get to relax, but some of these games are just getting ridiculous. Author and columnist Christian Snyder, and also radio host now because he filled in last week in WTMJ Nights. Is there a, a reschedule? Is there something that's out there that fans can look forward to? Uh, something going on with me? Yeah, like are you going to do another WTMJ Nights or something else? <laughs> that's not really up to me. That's up to WTMJ management. All right, to be, to um. be decided, to be determined. All right, <laughs> yeah. all right, all right. got to take a break. I want to come back. There's a couple of stories that, that I've talked about this week that I want to just throw at you. Um, the Dilbert controversy, the creator just blowing himself up in his career, apparently. I, I'm not sure what the mindset was there other than a very strong opinion about race. And then the um, the loyalty pledge, right? And if it's Trump, and some recent polling suggests as surprised as, or shocked as we might not be, it might be Donald Trump again, would that stick? Would that uh, be something that uh, the other candidates or the voters, probably more importantly, would be loyal to? We'll discuss that with author and columnist Christian Snyder after this on WTMJ. Oh, we're talking to Christian Snyder, future host of Schneider at Nights at a radio station. <laughs> no, he's got a, he's got a lot of other very important jobs. But um, I spent some time this morning, Christian, talking about this controversy with Scott Adams, the uh, the creator of the comic strip Dilbert. I, I'll be completely honest. I, I haven't read comics in like 40 years, so I could really care less about this. But the idea that he went on his, apparently his YouTube channel, said some very... I eyebrow raising things about race in America. What's your take on this story? I, I'm not. It almost like he tried to blow himself up. Yeah, they were eyebrow raising in the fact that they were racist. Yes, <laughs> yes. Eyebrow raising. Um, yeah. So a lot of his defenders are now saying, "Well, he's a victim of cancel culture or whatever." And I, this is a complete misunderstanding to me of what cancel culture actually is, because I mean he's a he's a popular guy. He's a powerful guy with a huge audience and he's facing the consequences of, of what he said. Um, so that I think is a bit different than kind of what people think of as cancel culture, where it's, you know, some university professor says something that a, a student takes offense to, and then they run the professor out of town, mm-hmm. you know, somebody, somebody completely powerless like that. So that's, that is typically what I think of as, as cancel culture. But yeah, I mean he's he's facing the consequences of of the terrible things that he said, and uh, you know he's a public figure, so is it that's what it is. Is it just an honest, well, honest racist moment, or is it is it um, somebody who didn't see the future when it comes to a, a public facing job that you have, which is writing this comic strip that there would be. Con- I mean, to not know the consequences in today's world seems hard to believe. Right. And I saw I saw somebody write something that this is almost like a suicide by cop situation where, yeah. you know, you just you're, you want to blow yourself up. But now at least he has like, you know, the the, the politically correct people to blame or something or whatever. And it's probably going to get him even more fans, sadly, um, because he has someone else to blame. But I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to do Dilbert anymore and he made too much money. And he's like, OK, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, maybe a couple of years from now, there's a, there's actually a market for, uh, you know, some sort of online platform for Dilbert cartoons. Maybe maybe he's smarter than the rest of us. Hey, they want that kind of content. I'll give it to them. They're going to pay me directly and not through a newspaper. Maybe that's the way he's going. Who yeah, knows? We can do it now. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to get to some politics stuff with you. Um, I, I'm not going to. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking about the Supreme Court race today. I'm fascinated by the fact that it, it, you know, in 
little more than a year, Wisconsin is the center of the universe for Republicans. And, you know, whether it's the loyalty pledge that uh, uh, Ronald McDaniel's saying that all the candidates, potential candidates for their nomination will sign it. And we went back and forth about this last night away from away from the show. It seems more and more to me that what we are talking about, and I could be completely wrong on this. I've been wrong before, and I admitted it's when I am that we could be talking about Biden Trump 2.0 in in little more than a year from now. Oh, yeah, we definitely could. God, I mean, that's stunning look, to me. That's just stunning to me. Yeah, something is definitely broken with the uh, the system of picking presidents when these are the choices that we end up with every four years. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, to me, loyalty pledges don't exist because they lock, they're really meant to lock people into supporting a certain candidate. They They only exist so other candidates can remain candidates in good standing so they can then try to win. You know what I'm saying? It's not so a guy like Larry Hogan, who just hates Trump. He's the former Maryland governor Mm -hmm. who can't stand Trump. He still says, well, you know, I'll support Trump if he's the nominee. When You know full well he doesn't want to, and he probably won't, but he needs to stay in good standing with the party. So he goes ahead and and says it, which is embarrassing to him, I think, and uh, it'll probably hurt him in the long run. Um, because his lane would probably be the anti-Trump lane if there is such a thing. Right. I, but the interesting thing about all this is that in 2016, Trump would not would not do a loyalty pledge. He he would not support uh, some some people if they were picked uh, picked by the party. So here we're going all through all of this, you know, stuff, so we can get people to say they'll support Trump if he's the nominee when he wouldn't even do it himself. So well, that's where we are. The, so one of the stories this week and that made the headlines was Paul Ryan saying he wouldn't even attend the RNC in Milwaukee. And last time I checked, he's a Wisconsinite yeah. some of the time. If Trump's the nominee, I mean, how much of that stuff at some point? Yeah, he could be the nomin- He could get the nomination. But so, at some point, you're, you're putting someone out there that has, in my opinion, no realistic chance to win, barring some election day or election night craziness. Well, yeah. I mean, realistic chance against whom? Against yeah. Joe Biden? Uh, I would say, I mean, yes. To you and me, it seems crazy that a party would nominate somebody who staged an insurrection against the, the government of the United States. Right. But, uh, you know, you got to run against somebody, and Joe Biden is very unpopular right now. So if they see him as an alter- alternative to Biden, then... Who knows? I have a lot of fans of the show who are Trump supporters, and they would be saying, well, that's who the party has put forward. We support him. Is it, well, there's a couple things, you, a couple ways you go with this. Is this vindication for all those folks? Like, yeah, he may not be popular with all Republicans or what they would call fake Republicans or rhinos or whatever, whatever term is popular at the time, but he's the person we put forward. We're going to support him. I, I just can't imagine what that four years would be like. Yeah, when you have Trump in office and he's not constrained by having to run again, <laughs> imagine that. I mean, it would be his second. He wouldn't be able to run again after after if he won in 2024. So um, whatever discipline he had between 19 or 2016 and 2020, because he had to run again, he wouldn't have that anymore. So uh, it would be crazy town from beginning to end. Any of the candidates that we've talked to, I, I'm a Nikki Haley fan. I, I wrote her in. Um, 
Ron DeSantis, obviously one of the leading candidates to Trump, Trump. What, uh, what's your likely thought if it's not Trump? DeSantis? He's obviously the, you know, the front runner right now, but he's got, he's got some issues too. I mean, Nikki Haley, of course, is an attractive candidate. I talked about her when I hosted my show. Um, but I don't know, a guy like Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia. I mean, I like, I like guys like Larry Hogan and, and Sununu in, in New Hampshire, but uh, those guys probably don't really have any chance. So realistically, I don't know, somebody like Haley or, or, uh, or Youngkin, I think, would probably be more in my lane. Certainly will be an interesting time in American politics. Um, Christian, it's always fun to talk to you. Uh, I look forward to to uh, hearing your next version of whatever that is on the radio, but I know you're a busy guy in, in real life as well. So thanks for taking the time. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Author, columnist, his, uh, his book, Anti-Knowledge, I read it on my trip to um, Athens. Um, brilliant. I think it's still available wherever you buy books. Uh, check it out. And um, also a great columnist. You see his work in a lot of the major publications in the United States. That's why I love to have him on. A regular contributor to the show. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll see what Jeff Wagner is going to talk about on his program today. That's coming up next on WTMJ. And thanks for listening again on this Tuesday edition. Producer Brandon, what did you take away from the show today? You know, you you surprised me today. Oh, you did. The self-checkout, where you stand on the self-checkout. I've come around on it. Kind of surprises me because I hate them. Yeah, a lot of people hate them. I I saw that on the text line. Yeah, and I I was a little bit shocked. Right. I also learned that you go to somewhere new every day for coffee. Yes, I don't. I'm not. I I don't like the status quo. I should I know that because I, I, I see hate you. habits and patterns. Yeah, I see you I'm every morning, usually with a different cup, McDonald's, yes. Quick Trip, mm-hmm. Speedway. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised at your uh, stance on the uh, self checkouts. That right. was one thing I took away today. Part of the journey of being a producer, you learn a lot about your host over the years. All right, next up, no surprises, Jeff Wagner. What are you going to talk about today, Jeff? Steve, thank you very much. A lot of stuff coming up on today's program. You know, all the people who took out student loans who were hoping that Joe Biden was going to be able to magically wave his hand and cancel $400 million, billion, that is B as in billion dollars in debt. Well, you don't really cancel it. You just dump it on to other taxpayers. That case is being heard in front of the United States Supreme Court today. My general takeaway is I, I wouldn't be cashing those checks too soon. We will discuss. As we talked about yesterday, big rains, and as a result of that, MMSD did massive dumping into the lake and into the rivers. All right, it's really not their problem because the only choice was if you don't dump into the river or dump into the lake, you've got stuff coming up in people's basements. Well, what do we do moving forward? Or are we just going to accept a couple of these massive dumps two or three times a year? The new numbers are out for newspapers in general, and the local newspaper in particular, and they're really, 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 did I say really? They're really bad. We're going to talk about what the future of newspapers are, and if these numbers continue, I I don't think it's even something that's going to be up to subject to too much discussion. Should we care whether or not COVID was a product of a Chinese lab. The Biden administration would have you believe, no, we don't think that's the case. We want to build more semiconductors and chips and computer chips and stuff in this country. But if you want to get federal money, the Biden administration is putting all sorts of restrictions on them. We're going to discuss that. But we start off the program with, this is my hallelujah moment. Maybe somebody has been listening. I don't care where you are on the issue of gun control. There is something 
that all of us, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat, should agree on, and it's legislation that is being introduced in the Wisconsin Assembly as we speak. I will discuss it, I will explain it, and we'll talk about whether or not this should get done. All that's coming up. The Wagner Show starts right after the top of the hour news.